0: The ship's gonna hit the fan.
1: Welcome to Sassholes. We are Revenue Ops with an Edge. With decades of making interesting decisions, Jamie, Jason, and Pete are dedicated to helping aspiring sales leaders accelerate revenues with our no-BS approach to sales leadership strategies and tactics. We got some shout-outs to do. Rashida Jamil got a new gig as lead technical recruiter at Parallel Systems. Priyanka Mathu, four years at Rainstream Web. Becky Craig, two years at Sweet Analytics. Old crumudgeon himself, Joel Cheeseman, is part of this tag salad with three years at Rectex. Reed Daly's got a new gay client relationship executive at Cone Resnick, LLP. Laura Braun, promoted to senior manager at Datadog. Old school Ron Heyman, man, how you doing? Two years, Amazon Web Services. Dre Fay, three years at DF Marketing Solutions. Hey, old school Wendell Brenner, three years at Zep, Inc. Craig Patterson, six years at Defense Construction, Canada. Amy Fitch, got a new gig, product manager at Postrionic, Amphenol. Hey, Ratty Temmini, one year at Cartelligent. Brahms Vaughn, got a new gig as bankruptcy paralegal at Warren and Migalicio. Hey, old school, Bill Leonard, one year at Mental Health Technologies, MHT. Congrats, man, you guys are in biz, love it. Dominic Pasta, two years at Yext. Milo Primo, eight years at Advanced Search. Andrew O'Donnell got a new gig as Director of Services Support at EV Box. And of course, we have some happy birthdays. Zachary Mitchell, Mia Martakinen, Brian Horowitz, Matt Gaines, and Tanya Nolan. Another spin around the globe. Our show is supported by listeners and viewers just like you. We'd like to thank Demand Farm Analytics and Aaron J for their continued support. DemandFarm.com unlock key account growth with Demand Farm's large deal, key account, and relationship intelligence products. Go to demandfarm.com now to schedule a demo. Ask for Iron Man. Brent Keltner's WinAnalytics Revenue Acceleration Playbook Masterclass. In five hours over five weeks, help your sales and go to market team build the mindset and skills for a new buyer environment. Kickoff and product driven selling versus authentic conversations for all go to market teams. Team level sessions for self assessment and team dialogue. All go to market team wrap up to identify top go to market strategy adjustments. Go to com now. So, Carney, we got two two months left in the year. What's going on from the financial side of things?
2: Like, if you're in the finance world, it's been a tough year um, because you launched your budget to, let's say, in a calendar year, people have fiscal years ending now, but you launched your budget. In probably January, February, and you and you worked probably for a month to get it all into the system so that people can update it. Four or five months in, you probably redid your budget for this year because the economic headwinds turned and turned quickly. So you redid a budget for 2022 that was probably wishful thinking to not lay off as many people as you probably should have. You know, it depends on tough if you took a very uh, uh solemn approach on it hopefully you only had to lay off once but you've already we've already seen a couple companies laying off multiple times since the recession that means they had wishful thinking that they presented to the board they missed their numbers and they had to do it again so there could be this could be now the fourth time that the finance people are going through how are they going to finish this year and then what are the uh, how can i sell upstream next year so in November is typically where you're pitching to the board what you're expecting for the end of this year and what you're expect what your what what your expected growth rates are for next year if, if any.
1: So basically you're biting the bullet on 2022 but then hopefully you'll get a lower number for 2023 than you would have originally gotten. If
2: you have job insecurity, you're hoping to sell them on your finish of 2022 with happy ears and the finance team will know that and you're pitching a higher number than you probably are going to hit with uh, 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 all right right, let's stop there
1: you're pitching this number so then the CRO is pitching this number the uh, chief sales officer is pitching this
2: number who's pitching this number the president well, so in October, the CEO is socializing that number with each board member, right? And then what usually...
1: What is that socializing? like? On so the side? instead
2: of having all eight board members in one room, and this is the first time they see the number, he's hitting them one by one so that he can get feedback and understanding of if they're in the ballpark or not. Because if you are not in the ballpark and you got all eight or nine... It becomes an absolute shit show of a meeting. Right. Now, hold on. Okay. So these board members, they get paid whatever
1: to show up for well, You
2: would probably, I'm assuming we're talking different public, they get paid. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Non public companies, usually three or four of them are investors. Yeah and they carry the big weight. You usually it could even be more than that. Um, okay. They they get seats. Now sometimes they have in smaller VCs, sometimes they have the the latest investor might not even have I might not even have a seat. <laughs> and they're the ones that didn't make 10 10x already on their uh, money and they are right, right. They don't have any say in what's going on at the board level which sucks for them, but um,
1: they're so, invested so, the
2: C- so the CEO He's going around, hey, man, I'm going to miss.
1: How pissed are you? Or I'm going to suck. What is the level of suck you will accept?
2: Well, and I think with this economy, they all know. The I I think with this economy, I think everyone looks at the last two quarters of this year as one quarter, right? Like it's not – it's a six-month quarter is the way a lot of people are saying it. I'm hearing that a lot. Like it's a six-month quarter knowing that we're – you know, we're – I honestly feel like we're um, feeling some rebound effect in the economy already. But we're, but the, my company sells to the go-to-market side, the rev, the revorgs. They're yeah. all needed. They're all starting to ramp up their engines for growth by the second half of next year, and so therefore they're getting a little bit more relief. So we'll 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 feel the bounce back faster. Um, then, uh, uh are somebody selling into a tech or an IT cost center. We're selling into the revenue cost center.
1: But, will will a, will a board member do an end around, like call up the ops guy and
2: say, "Hey, man, what's in the funnel?" No, they'll get that. They will one hundred percent get that. And so that so this is also what happens, right? So there is a couple things that happen. They're out there shopping this, making sure that. There's an appetite for what we're what we're proposing, right? Like, hey, we're going to not grow next year. No appetite for that? You, gotta, you better go back to the drawing board. That happens in October, September, October. Yeah. Um, and maybe we have to grow by 2%. Maybe there's a mandate out there. Okay. Then they go out and try to show them what they think they're going to end the year at. You know, like, hey, our forecast said we're going to do uh, 252 million of new ARR or uh, 500 million of revenue, we're probably going to be at 490. You know, is there an appetite for that close? If not, yeah. you know, start figuring out what does what the non-appetite mean? Like, who, does that mean someone's losing their job? You know, like like the, 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 the CEO is going to have those conversations unless the CEO is losing their job. So the <laughs> CEO might then be like, okay, um... The CRO is going to come in here and pitch this number in the interim. I'm going to be back channeling and finding a new CRO. Right. Those could be the conversations that are going on at the board level. Like Because if the CRO has missed so many years of the VP of sales or whatever it is, right. the, the board is going to say, I don't trust this C, uh, CRO anymore. Right. They don't trust the CEO um, it's probably a short conversation. Like, okay, if that's what you think you're going to do, you know, <laughs> they're back channeling <laughs> and finding a new CEO, right? Yeah, so yeah. Little, that conversation occurs, and then so the finance team invest- gets the number, and then they have to build out a whole detailed plan. Um, that assumes a good finish. Now, let's assume that they have happy. And you're looking, early- at it,
1: it's like, no fucking way, no way, right?
2: <laughs> so they they know that. This is going to be a long, painful process because they're going to, they have to build out a whole detailed budget and then they, they, they need to identify now if they're smart finance, people have done it before. They're going to be identifying where are they going to uh, get to the next number that they believe is actually going to be there. So that when the company misses by 15 million and they got to go find 5 million of expense, they know where that 5 million of expense is probably hidden um yeah. like or recommend cutting and then they got to do it again so i would imagine budgets for next year because the other problem is no one knows no one knows it's going to happen because there's yeah. no stability in the economy you know interest rates i think are going to go up by three quarters of a point today yeah um yeah, or this yeah. week um but no one knows what is that going to help curb inflation is is unemployment going to skyrocket it's still under four percent you know um it's going to be crazy but the other thing that's going on that you mentioned is pipeline.
1: Yeah.
2: Right. What, what else happens with, first of all, I'll quarter pipeline. If you don't have any type of automatic way of doing some sort of pipeline hygiene. <laughs> hygiene. Bullshit detecting. Yeah. Bullshit detector. Basically. I'm, I'm trying to be PC. Yeah. And it's assholes. Deals don't people never close laws, uh, lose a deal, they keep it open. And right now, the executives are probably telling people, don't close lose that yet until I'm done with the (laughs) until I'm done presenting the pipeline to the board as a multiple gauge for what they're going to do next year. Or hey, let's figure out a way to make this pipeline, which you currently have at 150,000. You know, you and I both know that this deal is going to be we don't have any engagement we don't have anything going on it's worth though potentially a, a 1 million put it in at 1 million knowing that it's zero um why because pipeline out quarter pipeline without a bullshit detector is a vanity measurement that allows the executives yeah. to sell right so <clears throat> that's a big so let's up. say
1: so let's say it's not a public company if you were a smart cro, CRO you would cuz all these uh non-public investors they are looking at their other investments and comparing what is happening at this current one versus the other one if you're a smart CRO would you want to be buddy buddy with the other CROs and the other companies and see how they're doing and yeah <laughs> i, don't want I to mean say
2: collusion I, well you got to remember especially these PE firms um they've got their Portco companies are portfolio companies, right? Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. They're going after their portco companies and they're yelling at all of them. Why? Because they're putting the pressure on all of them, hoping that one of them, <laughs> one, one or two of them- um, Come through know, to pay off for the other ones? To pay off for the other ones, yeah. So, yeah. Um, and they're actually, I would say, uh, PE companies are going to be, this is their time to shine because um, a lot of the successful big PE firms have their own way of of capitalizing acquisitions, right? Yeah. They can get their own money to do that through their own finance institutions. And so they're going to be out there uh, hungry to buy companies now because it's on the low end with a three- year investment process of hoping that hey, if I buy it for um, you know ten times re- ten times revenue, we won't get to the 50 times revenue in the SaaS, but we'll probably get back up to a 40, you know, 30 to 40 times revenue in yep. three years. If I just grab this and, and fun, you know, uh, fuel it so it stays alive <laughs> for two to three years, I can sell it for 30 times revenue and make a huge profit.
1: But do you think that's a strategy? You think that's what happens behind the scenes? All these CROs from the portfolio companies, they kind of get together and say, man, I'm going to my meeting. I'm going with 2%. What are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? Um, The
2: smart CROs, yes. (laughs) I mean, um, there are meetings, the Portco meetings, you know, they have portfolio company meetings where they they will sit there and say, um, let's get, uh, you know, let's, let, let's get everyone together from our portfolio company and have them talking about how they can help each other out. Right. Basically buy each other's services. Right. Yeah. Um, so they get to know each other. You know, yeah. there was um, like, I know at the company I was at before, um, they were mentoring the, uh, we had a similar investor In the company I was at before, with the company I was at two times before, I'm not going to say the name. Yeah. And our company that I was at was mentoring my previous company on how to like run the business. Um, so there's there's things of that nature. But um everyone's doing bad. Everyone's under stress. Everyone is feeling it. You know, like if someone says they're not feeling it. Um, they're lying to themselves.
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: Right, or or they're so far removed from the business that they don't know, and they're going to be blindsided. So, and this will happen in some finance, some some cost centers, like some areas of finance. They might not realize the company's doing as shitty as it is. Right. Like what area? What what areas of finance? Um, you know, like pure accountants. Like the ones that are just in doing debits and credits, they're doing the debits and credits, and they're like, oh, okay, you know, hey, the expenses are down. Hey, we're not <laughs> expensing as much. That's a good thing. Not knowing yeah. that they're not even looking at the revenue and the cash that's bleeding yeah. out the door. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because uh, sometimes they're focused purely on a PL and l statement, and they don't see it as bad because in their microeconomic view of the company, they think everything's good. Um, they get blindsided by it. Some areas so, in IT for sure and software, uh, you know, they're just coming in, they're saying, Hey, here's our, all the uh all the requests from product of what I need to do. They don't know what's coming. It's a marketing too, in some marketing cases. I was gonna say marketing, because we don't have the marketing guy in yet. This is yeah. like
1: you and I are talking behind the scenes. Uh <laughs> hey man, we got no money, we got to cut marketing. How's Jason gonna handle it? Uh
2: yeah, that, that decision is made usually by the CEO. Like, there's a lot of companies out there that they're like marketing has a huge budget. You know what I mean? But in a lot of cases, don't spend marketing Well, marketing doesn't have a lot of buying power, and yeah. that's weird, right? They have a lot of budget, but they don't have a lot of buying power. Why? Because the executives are saying you need to spend ten million on this. You need to spend ten million on this. You need to spend. $10 the, the executives are telling marketing what to do and marketing's fulfilling their desire. so even though they might have a 30 million dollar budget or uh you know hundred million dollar budget, the executives are saying you need to spend 10 million on commercials and on radio and you need to spend 30 million on TV commercials
1: with with great outs with what Great outs like cancel at any time. Yes. Yes. Out.
2: Yeah, out. Out. Yeah, out. Yes. And so it's 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 already distributed, and so some companies go in and say, "Man, this marketing guy has 120 million dollars worth of budget," but the reality is he might only have half a million dollars of, uh, f- you know, flexible spending that could be gone tomorrow because right. if the economy isn't going well, they they first drop. Uh, November and December spending, right? Usually, it's November and December spending. They drop. They drop. Where'd July. The commercials August. go. The commercials go in September and October. Why is that in a calendar year? Because that's when people are renewing for next year. They're not renewing over Thanksgiving in December. They're making their decision September and October. So commercials go in September, October, and then they go at you know February, March, yeah. um, to say, hey, look, we're spending money on on you guys to drive traffic. They'll kill the spend on April, May, June, July, November, and December. Um, That's where all the money gets. uh, They want performance and marketing to appear when you're renewing and at the beginning of the contracts, which are usually January, February, March.
1: So from a sales standpoint, let's just imagine COVID didn't happen. Everybody's bouncing back from COVID. It's like, oh, let's bring everybody back together for a kickoff and, it's always in January, January, February, still,
2: yeah, yeah, which is A lot year. of them are doing it still, like that. Yeah, you know, I think, I think they didn't do it for three years over COVID. You know, some yeah. did it this year. That's still going to be part of, uh, you know, you got to remember when 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 a layoff occurs, the company sort of takes sixty to ninety days to lick their wounds. Yeah. So that what does that mean? Even the re, even the sellers, sort of. Say I need to take a breather here. Uh, you know, I'm. I'm. Comm- I, I need to see if I'm going to recommit to this company or not. Um, I need to. I'm stressed out. So they go yep, through yep. burnout, be- and 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 so then they. And some of them say it's a horrible time to sell, and no one knows <laughs> that I'm not doing anything. So uh, why bother? Because no one's going to expect performance. Once again, that's where you need the bullshit detectors yeah. to make sure that. Your sellers, you know, back in the day, Pete, when you and even I was running a little sales team, it was all over the phone. We had the we had the dialers, and we yeah. would be able to count calls and look yeah. at are they right. calling a switch box or not. You know, the smart ones out there would know which phone numbers are dead phone numbers but not call them. Uh, like I had one rep call 83% of the time called the same phone number. That's kind of stupid. <laughs> like I know you're doing… Uh, he it's called Bentley really Community stupid. College 83% of the time. Um, but now they need something to make sure, since it's all what? digital email, they need something yeah. to sort of monitor all of that stuff.
1: You know, in that kickoff stuff, and you need to save money, It's uh, you, you take your busy – the money that you make <laughs> in January is the most valuable money of the year, isn't it, Rule 72?
2: Yeah, I mean, I agree. I think kickoff is a little bit of a boondoggle. Right, um, what's, what's I think a boondoggle. Just, what? What's a boondoggle? A boondoggle is like a, yeah. a um, horseshit. Yeah, it's just like get together. <laughs> like, uh, like um, half the uh, conferences that you go to are boondoggles.
1: Yeah, like
2: yeah. oh, I'm going to go to Sherm. You're not going to get any business from it. You're back in the. Tea. You're not getting any business from these people that are walking around with crazy hats on and stuff like that, you're going because it's in Vegas. And bags and bags of free stuff. Yeah, like, you're going because it's in Vegas. The person that's going there is not the decision-maker, you know, but you're going, acting like yeah. it's a decision-maker, acting like it's such an important thing. No, it isn't. It has nothing so to do if, with it. If it's a boondoggle,
1: then why is it always in January and February, and if you got a shit month,
2: December, because, or November. Like, so, that, so the – they do it in January because at that time they're launch. Hopefully, the only in my opinion, put it on Zoom if there's nothing to announce. Yeah. You know what I mean? Especially now. Yeah. Don't fly. If you want to fly everyone in, you better be launching something that's gonna help sales, right? Help your sellers. Meaning, like, hey, we've got work. Yeah. It's called a good product. It's called a good product. Yes. Well, <laughs> maybe you're also doing like uh sales enablement. Maybe instead of saying it's, we're bringing people in for a dog and pony show, you know, we're bringing people together so we can get them all in a room and go through not sales. There's a different sales enablement versus sales training. It's not, Hey, this is how you find contracts. It's Hey, like you even, when we were at our previous company, you took the sales training aspect and automated it through uh, a chat bot. Sales training is how-to. Sales enablement is why. And how right. How do you get to the why of the company and why are we here, right? And so if you want to come up with a sales methodology, either challenge or you know, I think we have the sales V at... Um, uh, um, at process. Uh, Just a process, process, whatever it is. So you want to go through process training. Why is that... You want to launch new software that's going to help the sellers out. Maybe commercials or something like that. That needs to be announced at your uh, your your kickoff um, to get people excited. But other than that, if you don't have anything to announce and you're just getting together to get together, do it in July. You know, <laughs> do it. Do it when um, there's not business to be had. Now, the right. one thing is, I would say this is every company out there January is not a great time to meet with clients because it's customary that everyone has a uh, like a, a an annual kickoff in January time frame so you're not meeting with clients anyways because
1: so why, why are they doing it
2: but that's the problem that's the reason why everyone does it now in January I think is because everyone's doing it in January fresh you're, budget you're you're trying to get commission plans out there to be launched right after uh, sales kickoff. So you, you, you don't have commission plans and full-on capacity, quota, all that stuff figured out until probably mid-January. Oh, please. Like second quarter. Some of these companies. Some of these companies, yes. And I know we've worked for those companies. But most companies <laughs> are launching their quotas, and they're, they're getting delivered to the reps as they come back from uh, um, uh, kickoff. Oh, all right, here's Ferrara. We're gonna have to uh
1: you you be the guy that tells him he we lo- he lost his budget, okay?
2: Okay, well, like when, right? Uh,
1: here he comes. Yeah, Jason Ferrara, uh Chief Marketing Officer. We thank you for uh joining the uh the board meeting here. Um
0: you know that hundred and fifty pleasure, million, to, be, pleasure we- to be invited.
1: Um, you know that $150 million we said that you could spend uh, this year? Uh, yep. Jamie Carney has some information.
2: Yeah, I'm an investor here. Uh, you, you just lost $120 million. You got $30 million left. Go go figure it out.
0: Ah, interesting. It sounds like 2008 all over again. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I w- I've been there. I wish it was that good. <laughs> <laughs> so Two thousand eight sounds fun. At least we knew what the problem was. <laughs> so Ferrari, when they give you a budget, you look at it, it's
1: like, yeah, right. How much do I really get to spend? What,
0: yeah. How does that go uh, down? I I would like it to go down where they say, how, what would you like your budget to be? How it usually goes down is here's what you get, and then you have to fit everything in. So I spend a lot of time with here's what I want. And then I get a number and then I have to like fit the two together, which is, which is not a super fun process. Uh, process. Yeah, yeah.
1: Cause here we are it, it know, works. two, two months left in the year and it's like, yeah. Oh man, it's a shit show. Uh, Ferrara, uh, those commercials, we, we, we let you have them in September. Right. We let you have them in October but no yeah. mass. Is that how it goes? Yeah, you? now
2: you got to get up. So here's a question for you, Jason. This yeah. year, how many times yeah. have you had to tweak your your uh, go through and and clean your number for even this year? Two times?
0: Uh oh no, probably like four times.
2: Okay. So the, now some was- of that
0: some of that's cuz of me. So some of that's like, where do I want to, I want to reinvest some places, but I don't, I can't go get more money. So I have to figure out where to get it from what I've got, but it's probably been four times. It's probably been at least twice that our CFO has come to me and said, okay, sharpen this up, figure out this. Do you really need this? I noticed this didn't get spent yet. So is it happening or if not, uh, boy, I could really use that back.
2: Yeah, so that's what he was asking me before you got on finance's role this year. I'm like, this is one of the worst years to be in finance if you're in finance because you've done it twice by the CFO. The finance team has probably done just for this year, detailed overall reconfigurations of the numbers across the board. Um, They've probably done more. They probably have a hidden one of, you know, the CRO is right. saying, we're going to do this. Right. CFO and the finance team goes, they're not going to do that. They're going to do this. We believe yeah. it's going to be much less. They're going to be very conservative and say, well, let's do worst case scenario planning. Uh, well, I think,
0: you know, I think that's an important thing for like, uh, when I, when I first joined Sassholes, you know, back a couple of years ago and we, when when we would talk a lot about if you're young in your career, what's something that you need to know that you might not know? I think that's really important for people to know, which is the finance team has multiple plans. Yeah. And when you get a number, you have to understand what that number is and be smart enough to know that there are multiple numbers. So what you're getting is a little bit different than the number that maybe your boss has, your boss's boss has. The, the CEO has. Because Jamie, that's totally true. There's, there's constant modeling going on. And I don't think that people, until you know that, you don't know that, right? You yeah. just kind of go along doing your job. Yeah, And it's really important to know.
2: It's not only, they're not only modeling this year, but in a lot of cases, unless you're a public company, a lot of cases, if you're a private company, you're constantly tweaking a three to five year investment model because a lot of the investors want either new investments every three years, or they want to divest and change their investment every three years. So the finance team is trying to guess what this year is going to end. And then what the growth rates are for the next two to three years. That is a constant. This is like, I'm, if I was still at Flexera working on the revenue model there, um, I'd probably be working continuously working a hundred plus hours a week. Um, because your the amount of demands that are put on you by the investors, especially at a PE firm, are astronomical and they they know you don't know, but they don't care. Yeah. They do not care that you don't know what the end is going to be. They just want you to constantly refresh numbers for every scenario out there.
0: Well, then think about a world where you don't have you have got a CFO. You don't have a controller. You um, basically have a CFO and an AP team. (laughs) Like, that's what you've got. So you don't really have the key components to get you the data and or give you the leeway to spend time doing that, right? So if you don't have a controller, now your CFO is doing all that future analysis, plus they're the de facto controller, plus they're the ones who are like, Making sure that the AP team is doing what they're doing, plus you know whatever the five other things are, and so it gets it gets really time intensive and complicated, and that's part of your hundred hours. Jamie is like, um, that sounds. I mean, the job you're asking me. Go ahead.
1: That sounds so inefficient. I mean, you got Dolly Dolly that's out there where you can say, "Hey, man, I'm looking to make an image of Carney wearing a Kim Jong Young suit and." with a smiley face, and I want him riding a horse. If you can tell AI to do that, why can't AI, why can't you say, hey, man, what's the propensity of me hitting this 90% number? What needs to go? Where should I cut it away? Why do
2: I need uh, Carney anymore, Carney? Well, because, like, that's a good question. You can't do it with AI because in a lot of cases, there's two things that you can – there's one thing you can always do to cut costs, right? We're a right to work country, it's cut people. But the last thing you want to do is cut people. So the first thing you do is you go through and figure out how many people do I need to cut to get to this number? And then you go through every single contract out there and say, what contracts can I cut and what expenses can I cut to save people? And hopefully it becomes, I saved everybody by finding costs. I've gone through that during COVID. I remember I went through and we said, hey, we've got X amount of people we need to cut, right? And then I worked diligently. And I, I honestly, up until the day before we made the cuts, was able to save 40 people because I was able to convince without them knowing that I'm trying to save someone's life we're not life but save someone I'm sorry I'm not a hero save someone's job You're a hero Jamie you're yeah. a hero to us I would be you, calling you seem- up the marketing team saying do you really need this it doesn't look like your usage is very high right. why do you need this it seems like we're spending too much and i would just beat them down until they finally say i feel like you need this money i go i do okay we'll we'll, you, we'll get you, you seem very
1: defensive on your answer carney but don't don't you think that's where things should go or like you should be in charge of that AA to take because everything is a fucking lie and bullshit. Okay, <laughs> it should just come straight from the the numbers funneling in. Okay, what do I need to do versus all this subjective stuff? Don't don't you think that's where it's headed or no?
0: Mm. I, Go ahead. Well, I, two things. Two things, Pete. One is. I'm wondering, I don't know. So what we need to do is find someone to be on this show. Who knows? Um, I'm wondering if companies feel like their financial data is so uh, important and competitive that leaving the modeling to AI alone is super risky where like retargeting uh, advertising to Prospects is yeah, is less yeah. risky, so it's easy to. So maybe that's the case. We should find somebody who can speak to that. And then the second thing, Pete, I'll say is I've been in businesses where the board manages just by a spreadsheet um, and does not manage the kind of stuff that Jamie's talking about. Where it's like, okay, well, you got human beings involved, and those human beings make decisions. And it is really frightening to sit in front of somebody who just has a spreadsheet because their question is, "Well, why isn't it this way?" Yeah. And the the answer is, "Well, because there are humans involved, and humans aren't rational thinkers or actors." And so now you have to take whatever comes out of the AI, and then you have to apply this human filter to it and say, "Well, somebody's going to second guess that and make this decision." And in some cases that works, and in some cases that doesn't. That, so basically, that's you have you, said that,
1: you have equity firms that. There's two in my view. There's cutters and growers. If you're a cutter, then that makes sense. If you're a grower, okay. There's another way to look at it
2: because the downturn. They don't is cut going when to be they're ugly. growing. By the way, they're still cutting while they're growing.
0: <laughs> Everybody's cutting. <laughs> Everybody's
2: cutting, even in a good economy. If you're an investor, a, a PE firm is, hey, can we do more with less? And your answer oh. better be yes, or you're they're going to find someone who says yes.
0: But, you know, Jamie, sure. the other thing you said I think is interesting is, you know, you come to marketing and you say, hey, can I can I get some money out of here? You're not using this. Your usage isn't up. I mean, that conversation we have all the time in, in what well, we were laughing about 2008 and 2009 and we're talking about COVID. The reality is when I was in that role, when I was the CMO of a business during COVID, it w- I didn't really argue that. It was like, OK, what are we trying to do? Save employees. Okay. That thing. Yeah. I mean, I don't need it. If, if the goal is to save employees, then this spend, I, I don't need, we can figure out how to get rid of it because the, the idea here is we want to help these, we want to help our employees, right? Because they're the ones who are really growing. The business. If you are
2: it, that, so I would say you were written into the, uh, the overall plan was we needed to regr- reduce costs, but there's some yeah. director level out there that don't know it's coming and um
0: yes correct correct You're those
2: right. are the ones you have to sort of like challenge them minutes. continue to challenge them send emails so it's like they can't cover their ass and say we had a conversation about it no you follow up with an email saying you have chosen not to move this The the one thing yes. answering your question though pete the big thing here is on ai and software we're talking about finances okay playoffs we're talking about playoffs we're talking about finances fucking numbers. infosec infosec you will never privacy and infosec will never allow someone touch their finance uh software so the only stuff you can really do from a financial situation is on prem Shitu- you said
1: situation i love that Situation. Boy, that is good that Shitu- is good
2: but the this yeah situation is on-prem software <laughs> is the only thing that will probably be allowed in most of these institutions because No one wants that, any of that financial data to leave its environment and they need to protect that financial data. So therefore, that's why humans are in there. And the other thing is, it's not, it's not, until you're living in it, it's, it's much more complex than you think. Um, We
1: got the marketing guy here. The last man standing in marketing is Google,
0: is it not? uh yeah i i guess um no one's gonna say stop your activity with google right they're all gonna say do you really need the abm software do you really need the the ad server that is driving lots of traffic but not a ton of conversions do you really need right so you're you're probably right that's that'd be the last that'd be the last man standing if 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 uh, if the shit hits the fan, that's probably the last place you cut. Yeah,
1: and then the keywords are they you know the numbers going down or up? It, it's a shit time. So does that mean you pay more for the keywords? It depends on the keywords. I get it, but
2: yeah,
0: it depends on the on the on the competition too. Like you know what's happening with your competition. So so we've got a competitor right now that looks to be. Cutting a lot of people, so we've tried to like. Well, what are they doing in Google? Where where are they making moves there? Because if they're if they're if they're if they're cutting expenses, perhaps there's there's an echo we can hear in Google. So I, yeah, you know, it it really is like, well, what what do you want your cost per whatever metric that is? So if it's cost per opportunity, for example, or cost per uh, sales qualified lead. They just have to watch that very closely. And what are you willing to pay? There's a range. So you're willing to go up a little bit more. You know, right now I'm willing to go up a little bit more because I've got to feed a sales team that's like, holy shit, it's November. I mean, in our business too, where everybody's gearing up for Black Friday, not yeah. a lot of people are buying in November, right? So you're like, who yeah. do yeah. I sell to? So that there's that there's, you know, a little bit of range there that you can work with.
1: What are the key KPIs out there? Is it all, you know, hush, hush or... Like what's the most important number?
0: Uh closed one opportunities. <laughs> like <laughs> nothing's more important than that. So, <laughs> so
2: there is one know. thing more important than that, cash.
0: Well, yeah, right. Well true.
2: Cash and then close one opportunities. <laughs> exactly. And receivables. Those are the three.
0: Yeah.
1: But I mean yeah, the marketing I mean, guy, is- you're looking at it like where if you got to cut shit, you're like, all right. Well, I'm I'm going to keep Google. I might yeah. rejigger the words, but uh, you know what? What are the numbers we're looking at to d- defend a budget?
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I look at pr- pretty much. I start looking at just demand generation only, and um, the the demand generation funnel. So everything from like just gross number of leads that are coming in to that conversion all the way through the funnel to opportunities um, and and trying to keep that within what what kind of a best practice range is and so like part of my comp is how many how many marketing qualified leads are becoming opportunities like it's a very tactical thing, but it really can tell you, what's gonna happen, you know, whatever, four or five weeks from now, in our business, six weeks from now. Um and, and I look at that. I mean I look at the funnel and we try to look at what's what's happening there. I'm sure there are other ways to do that, but that's really what you know I I so stop those, measuring PR those like sales people those F and
1: salespeople better be putting in the right numbers in the sales force.
0: Hundred percent. Hundred percent. And that's and that's why, you know that's that's why I'm I'm there in November Weekly sales meeting, and that's why we talk about what's going right and what's not going right. Um, when you when you find a lead that was driven by a webinar, what happened to that, right? When we when we get a lead that was driven by a Google ad, what happened to that? I mean, I was just doing that this morning, right? Yeah. What these conversions, did any of them close? And then I go back to the sales team and tell me the story behind this thing. Um, and so it's constant connection. It's constant connection.
2: The part there that drives me nuts on what you just said, Jason, is tell mm-hmm. me the story. Story time drives me nuts. It's like show me yeah. the data. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. there's got to be a way that you can look at the data and not not self-reported data. You know, these the, the the way Salesforce was and Pete, you're like, oh, how dare he say this? But I'm sorry, the way sales reps worked in the past, which we can revo- we can remove today, is it would be like a basketball game. You're going into a basketball game. Imagine I'm watching the Bulls, Pelicans play each other. Who would want to watch that? But I am. And no one's got a score. At halftime, the players all go in at halftime and they get a hand, a sheet of paper and say, write down your stats. They write down their own stats. Yeah. And then it gets aggregated on the board. I bet you the score at halftime would be 146 to uh, 182 and everyone's got a triple-double because they're self-reporting their own stats. We got to yeah. get out of story time and get into hardcore data to say, so here's your story are doing- time.
0: Here's where story time matters is I use it for because I can see where the lead can I can see all that data, right? I can see what's a closed won and what's a close lost. <laughs> where I use story time is tell me about your and I can listen to gong calls, you know, tell me about your conversation with this, with this buyer. Were they the right person? Oh wait, did you know that the attorney was going to take six weeks to sign this deal? What did you do when you found out that? Like I use it for to add to that to that data. I don't use it for I don't use it for um, board reporting. Hell no. You know, I not No, would, I, I know that. that. There's
2: a there's a lot of companies out there that uh, use story time for all of their and now they look at the pipeline in aggregate, knowing that probably of that pipeline is vanity. And then they use story time to back it up. There's no, it it should be data bullshit. Yeah. Um, They, they don't look at the data and then use the story time as a way to add color to the data. Instead, story time drives the, the output. And that's where, that's where it becomes a problem because then it's just story time, story time, story time. They never hit their number. I mean, the reality is here's some stats uh two thirds of enterprise selling companies two thirds of those two thirds of the prospects that are named accounts have uh the companies that I see have not had any meetings in 12 months with that yeah. means two th- so if you have a uh if you have a rep that has 30 accounts 20 of them they've not even touched yeah 20 are just collecting dust for them to maybe future earn in today's economy you need to figure out a way to to attack those 20, because the rep is bogged down and even more so now, they might be working five deals. Those deals are taking longer and longer to get yeah, through right. because of procurement, yeah. infosec, and all of that. And then they've got five that they might be prospecting in. There are 20 that are just collecting dust. That's and right. if those 20 are great accounts, you need to figure out a way to go attack those now so that you can increase your productivity uh, um, as soon as possible, because they might be great That's accounts so- that just don't have time on.
0: And that's, and that's where I will go talk to a specific rep too. So, Hey, Pete, you've got 30 named accounts. You've got 20 that you haven't touched in X period of time. Why haven't you touched them? What, what, what is your plan for that? Um, wait a marketing guy's
1: talking to a sales guy or you're pushing at the sales vp okay all right
0: well no i would i would well i wouldn't do that without talking to the sales vp and i would probably go into that conversation with the sales vp but those are the conversations that you have and then you can hear like what's in that rep's mind so i know they're overwhelmed and they need help they think that those 20 are (laughs) shitty they like you know you go through that and then you say okay now i can work with the sales vp to say What's the plan? How do we build a plan to help this rep get into those other 20? Are there opportunities? Should we forget about a couple of those? Like, that's how I use some of that anecdotal. Now, now uh, keep
1: everything into context. We got two months left in the year. Shit's sitting the yeah, fan. Yeah. We need fucking money now. We need revenue now. Yeah. The sales cycle, if we're lucky, six weeks. So, okay, good luck getting something in before Christmas. Like, what's yeah. going down from the marketing standpoint? It's like, I, I need... Jason, we need we need an influx of leads now. What do you what do you do? Turn on the Google spigot or what? What do you do?
0: Yeah, so there are two things. You can turn on the Google spigot, but what you got to be careful of is driving a bunch of. Um, you got to be careful of driving your costs way up or your conversions way down because you're just going to turn up the spigot. So yes, I mean, I would try that. I would test that. It happens quickly enough that you can test it. But the other thing that that we're doing, and and I'm sure lots of other people are doing is I'm looking at segments now that, so I'm talking from an e-commerce perspective, right? There are, there are brands that buy leading up to the fourth quarter, then they don't buy in the fourth quarter. So they can execute their black Friday and cyber Monday and holiday plans. There are other, industries that buy during the fourth quarter because the holiday time is not a big time for them you know lawn and garden is not a big get your you know black friday stuff in even though they participate that's not a big time so i i begin to segment more aggressively during q4 and say okay let me build segmentation of companies and, and campaigns of companies that will buy during q4 and begin to move on that very quickly um, people get nervous about that because they're like, well, it's not quite set up right. I'm like, we have all the content we need. Just start, just start, like, let's start and learn. So it's segmenting people who will buy in Q4. And then a lot of that I'm using as learning for Q1, where then I start going back to the segments that buy before Q4. So I, I'm trying to do two things. I'm trying to drive in Q4, but I'm also trying to learn for Q1 because that's, those those companies that are prospects in Q1, that's where all the money comes from, those people who are gearing up for Black Friday. And, and, was- and shit, that starts early. Like, if you're gearing up for Black Friday and you're not talking to people about that sale time in Q2, you're screwed. You're just, you'll, never get, you'll never get traction with them.
1: And, and to finish up things, uh, let's talk kickoffs. Why are they always in January, but how How do kickoffs help marketing <laughs> what the, the most valuable money you can have is in January, and we take everybody off the floor in January, but everybody does it so yeah, how does kickoffs help marketing if you got nothing to really nothing new going on from our- yeah. uh
0: first, I'm a big believer in kickoffs help because they get everybody together. Physically In the same place, there is nothing better than your whole company in the same place at the same time doing something that is the same thing. Tremendously powerful to energize everybody. I have always used kickoffs to say, this is where we're going this year. And this is how you should talk about what we're doing. Somehow, if I were to do that in this kind of forum on zoom, nobody's listening, right? They're in a ballroom. They're in a conference room. Mm-hmm. They're in a however many people you got. They're going to hear it one place, one time. Um, that's really beneficial for me. I need, you know, two and a half hours of a kickoff to really do that. Plus, then all the other time that you spend bullshitting with people. I mean, I, I think there's tremendous value in that. It's incredibly expensive, <laughs> but <laughs> I think there's tremendous value in that. And that's and that's where like working with Jamie, for example, is is important to say like you don't just design a kickoff in january for january you're designing a kickoff the previous year for january to say okay jamie we gotta we gotta afford this event how do we begin to do that because it it has to go it goes in your it goes in your plan right um why do we do them in january you know i think that the Baby, new, new year, year. new you. Of, it's so, yeah, it exactly, exactly, it, all that,
1: it years. sounds like it's a it's a retention tool. It's a recruiting. You know, yeah, HR I mean, should I, be I, loving it, right?
0: At, at Outmatch, we did it two times a year. So we we did a January meeting, but we also did a mid year meeting. And the mid year meeting, I I kind of thought was better in terms of people felt a little freer because success had happened mid year, and now they're looking for the second half of the year. Whereas in January, everybody's pretty tight, like. Like to your point, Pete. I should be on yeah. the phones. I'm sitting in this room. So right. the midyear kickoff, I thought was was really enjoyable, a little looser, better team building, um, and it again, gives I'm you some
1: control cheap. to to move the needle for the rest of the year.
0: Yeah, you can look back and say, "Here's where we here's where we've been. Here's where we have to go now." Let's your content is a little bit more driven by what's left. So let's yeah. go get that. So that, e- that, either way is good. Me. I I think it's tremendously valuable to have everybody in the same place.
2: I would prefer it being mid-year, personally, because I think then you're getting together and, and a lot of the reps are going to know if they're hitting plan or struggling, you know what I mean, like to hit plan. Yeah, and yeah. they're going in with a different mindset rather than uh, what's the uh, – uh, what's the line you always say, the Latin line you always say at the beginning of every month, Pete? Um, tabla rasa. rasa. Marketing tabla
0: sales. Rasa. Oh, tabla well, no, you Rasa. Say that. Please, like. You say that every day.
2: Yeah, but tabla Rasa. Tabla Rasa occurs at the beginning of the year for annual quotas, but um, I think mid-year, some people can be like, raise their hand and say, I'm doing everything you're asking me and it's not working. What am I doing wrong? And you can you can almost have like, SWAT teams of hey, let's bring that group over here. Here's a team that's going to crush it. Let's make sure they continue to crush it and they 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 continue to produce and, and come up with better strategies rather than the beginning of the year where it's a little bit of rah rah and uh, expensive. I think mid year you take people off, take them to a baseball game, do something like that. That's more.
1: It's almost more, like a, if you if you if boards are too squeamish of doing quarterly numbers even though they have to report to Wall Street quarterly, you know, maybe you have a six-month number and say, all right, we missed the first half, okay, we're resetting. Of course, the reps will try to game it to make more money in the second half, whatever, as long as you hit your number, but maybe it makes sense for that. I, I don't know. I think with well, private companies... Some
0: of it depends on sales cycle, but go ahead, James. Yeah, I think
2: private companies right now, they looked at this second half of the year as a as a six-month quarter. Like, I don't yeah. think I don't think people are gauging what's going to happen by how they ended in either September or October, depending on your quarter end. I think they're gauging how you're going to finish the year, knowing that a lot of deals were the last two quarters have been the uh, the precipice of this recession. I don't care if you say we're not in it, we're in it. Knowing that the next couple quarters, depending on who you're selling to, uh, if you're selling to the go-to-market space, these next couple quarters, you're going to start seeing growth again. If you're selling to cost centers, it's probably still another six months of recession. Um,
0: well, and, so, and shit, Pete, that's, you, you, you asked what I, you know, numbers and focus and right now. I mean, I, I, this morning, just spent an hour and a half talking about 2023, right? So the other thing I'm doing is, like, yes, we're we're running stuff and we're trying to help reps turn, you know, prospects into deals in November and December. But um, it is like, what's our plan for 2023 and how, how what's working right now and how do we grow that? And then what's the next thing that we're going to really build for the for the coming year? And that, I mean, that's that's the rest of my week is spent doing that, really.
1: And then to cl- close up. What about uh, do we let people go on
2: vacation? What about the finance team? They don't get vacation. <laughs> I'm honest, like ever. Even if even if they take days off, they're working. Ever. I know, um, <laughs> guys. Finance, the finance team, especially in this economy, is your hardest working area yeah. in the company, and they're the most stressed out and overworked, and they don't have time to take vacation because it's not like something's going to do their job when they're out. So when they're out, it just yeah. mean, it won't ever ha- it won't happen.
0: <laughs> the other thing that's protected this is good. mark this day, mark this mark this day. day I will yes, tell Jamie you, says no,
2: it will never happen. You can offshore it, maybe some of the stuff. You're gonna offshore AI. Go it's it's gonna, gonna be happen. a little computer robots, box
0: with glasses Jamie. like this. Yeah, robots. Ro- totally you got to
2: remember, there's less a- accountants a- than there were a decade ago because they turned it into a five year degree. Yeah. So when I was graduating with an accounting degree, it was four years. Now it's a five-year degree. Granted, some people might want to stay in college for five years, but not accountants. I did. I would have loved to stay in for five years. So there's Aren't less accountants. accountants
1: there? Just bullshit detectors. Like that shouldn't go there.
2: Account. There's accountants there. and there's finance. A lot of the finance team are made up of accountants that actually have uh, a more strategic thinking and then there's accountants that are looking dub- debits and credits they're the police the yeah. finance team are the more like strategic advanced accountants that understand what jason is saying what does that mean from an accounting perspective two three years out and i'm
1: sure i just pissed off all my finance friends out there and i'm saying hey we're all replaceable relax yeah, yeah. and it, worst oh, yeah. worst worst case scenario start a podcast
0: yeah, right. Exactly. But, you know, I think the thing is that with the with the AI angle of this and, 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 you know, in all seriousness, what what gets replaced in the future is the mechanics of building that budget and building the models and things like that. What doesn't get replaced in the future is the stuff that Jamie's talking about, which is I have this strategic vision for a business. Let me plug in my strategic vision and model it out into the into the piece of software. So, like the the quote unquote AI or the robots will will do all the heavy lifting and data analysis and modeling, but there's still going to be somebody like Jamie to look at that and say, okay, well, the vision is this. We got to get this out of here. How do we get it out of here in the best way? This this piece of software, this model, will help us build that. But <laughs> but I <laughs> think that. The, the payment and all that stuff, all that, all that stuff we'll
2: get. You got to remember also you can, you could be selling your, your you could be selling your software and say, guys, it's going to, I can show you without a shadow of a doubt that over three years, this is going to save you $2 million. The company, the company could say, that's great. I totally agree with everything you just said. And normally I would buy that, but one, I don't want to uh, release the cash. That's coming from the finance people. I don't want to do the cash investment now getting two million million three three years from now. That does me no good. Or they could say, "I actually, you're what you sent me is great. For this amount of money, I can save myself two million dollars over three years. But I can do something else for ten million dollars savings. The finance team is going to go through and prioritize all those ROI models, and then say to Jason, Jason, I get that that's two million, but this is ten million. You can only buy one. Which one are you going to buy? So Bernie, that's what's going on.
1: I don't mean to piss on your Wheaties, but if you can take so- <laughs> something as subjective as graphic arts. And make a picture i think you can fiddle around with a, a budget and a plan that's all
2: i'm saying i i and by the way i'm not in finance i wasn't oh, oh but i will tell you there's sales, no way so because sales, of the you
1: know,
2: there's no saying, way that'll happen more. because of the uh the privacy requirements needed on the financial statements i if there's any data leakage of a financial statement out there you know, the, SEC's, the SEC goes after public companies when um, somebody gets insider trading information. Same thing's going to happen with uh, private companies. They don't want any of their numbers to be out there.
0: I guarantee this is all getting modeled at Oracle and IBM and Microsoft, and they're all trying to figure out how to do this. And they're all scared shitless <laughs> of what Jamie just said, and they're all trying to figure it out. And when they do, you know, Larry Ellison will buy another island. Right, because well, it's, cause cause it's it comes... gonna be the next huge thing. Yeah, yeah.
1: Well, it all comes down to politics and legislation, which uh a week from today we have uh the elections. Uh are the finance guys modeling any of that stuff in? Yeah, it's well, already done.
2: Depends on you know, no one can trust the media right now. So is it a red wave or not? I mean, I think I think they would model it. I I know in my previous life, um, I know in my previous life, we would have uh, predictions from the PE firms on what the new governmental policies will be. And then you would model any of that, if that impacted you, you would model that out. If they said it was 80% predicted that this was going to happen, they want you to model that out. Um, but let's be honest, governments, uh, government policies are a lagging indicator of the economy. When they do something today, it doesn't impact the economy for two years.
1: I think it was called the black shoal method, where you look at the uh, futures on the options market to, to kind of get an idea of what the future looks like. Sort of like, you know, Vegas, but uh, for the stock markets, yeah. you know, is the spy going to go up, down? What's the, what do the futures markets look at? Yeah. So, so we'll see. Gentlemen, great show.
0: Yeah. Good stuff, Pete. Not bad Good stuff, Jamie. We'll be- use some of this
1: stuff. All right, guys. We have fun. uh, thanks for uh, stopping by, all. And uh, hopefully, AI doesn't replace any of you all, but we'll always have
2: sassholes. We'll always have the sassholes. Yeah. <laughs> always. <laughs> all right, I'll see, see you. you guys.
1: Our show is supported by listeners and viewers just like you. We'd like to thank Demand Farm, Analytics and Aaron J for their continued support. Demandfarm.com. Unlock key account growth with Demandfarm's large deal, key accounts, and relationship intelligence products. Go to Demandfarm.com now to schedule a demo. Ask for Ironman. Brent Keltner's Winalytics Revenue Acceleration Playbook Masterclass. In five hours over five weeks, help your sales and go-to-market team build the mindset and skills for a new buyer environment kickoff and product-driven selling versus authentic conversations for all go-to-market teams team level sessions for self-assessment and team dialogue all go-to-market team wrap-up to identify top go-to-market strategy adjustments go to winolytics.com now